0: What's going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, we are playing a game of this or that. So we're going to look at some of the rising stars in the NFL, and we're going to pick between them which one we would rather have. Uh, We did this back in the summer, and we're back doing it again after the season. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. Whoa, wrong slide.
1: <laughs> all right what's going on guys eric your ranting co-host here uh if anybody knows me you know i live in texas uh, i've been dealing a lot with this crazy weather i'm so glad it's over i can go outside again i can shower again i i'm just so happy about that so I like, no rants right now I'm just excited to do this or that and ready to get into the
2: episode What's going on, guys? It's Connor, the co-host with The Most, and uh, I've been, I haven't been, have been dealing with a lot of snow, but I've been dealing with a lot of rain. Um, North Carolina has been very wet so far this winter, and, you know, I wish it was snow, but, um, you know, had to settle for rain. But I'm excited to do this. Um looking forward to Zach and I probably disagreeing on everything, so, you know, I <laughs> guess we'll see how that goes. <laughs>
3: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Nate here. Uh, I had a week off uh, last week uh, to talk about some basketball, and obviously um, i obviously I'm not a big basketball guy, so I had the week off, but I'm excited to be back and talk about some uh, football and already start looking ahead to, to next year. I think it'll be
0: a pretty fun episode. Yeah, it should be, uh, and we're doing this live as well, so you know we all know what we're going to pick, but we don't know what the other persons are going to pick, so... Uh, that's always the most fun is when you don't know what's going to happen. So let's go ahead and I get things I Zach and start. I
2: about to disagree on about just about everything.
0: <laughs> Probably, guys. Let's keep someone, uh, keep a counter on how many times we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, our plan for this is we're going to focus on offense only for this episode. Later on, we might come out with a defense episode. But we just want to kind of keep things more consistent than we did last time, I remember. We had a discussion about pancakes and waffles as well.
2: So Waffles, you know know what you're getting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And also coffee or tea and team Coke. (laughs) Yeah, go back to that episode. I went back and listened to it. It's got a lot of classic moments on there for sure. Um, But we're going to stick with just offense, and we're going to even break it down even further. So we've got quarterbacks, receivers, running backs that we're going to compare. So we'll go ahead and start with the first one. And... Basically we have two rookies here or former rookies now. They're they're gonna go into their second year. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. So these are the two best rookie quarterbacks last year. Herbert won offensive rookie of the year and Burrow was having a great season until he got hurt. So basically the theme is of this game is if you're starting a franchise like from scratch, which one would you take which one would you take? And I'll start first and we'll go to Eric Connor and Nate. But for me, I'm going to pick Team Burrow.
2: Team Burrow. Team Burrow.
0: Team Herbert. Okay, so... (laughs) I don't know, I actually didn't disagree, so... Woo!
2: um, Across the call, (laughs) high five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, But I am surprised it was 3-1 to Burrow. I thought there'd be more Herbert votes out of this group. Uh, The reason that I picked Burrow is... I think given the situations um I think he had less to work with this season and that he played in a much tougher division as well in the AFC North and but you you can say both these guys are great but I would still rather have Burrow I think he's um a bit more accurate I think Herbert is pretty good, um, going deep and all, but I just really like Joe Burrow. Like I, I, I'm so high on Joe Burrow. I think he's going to potentially win one, maybe two super bowls in his career. So, um, I'm a big fan and I don't knock too much points off for the injury. I think had he not gotten hurt, I think he would have kept up his pace. He threw some interceptions, but, um, also with Herbert too, towards the end of the year he kind of stagnated a little bit he was having the best part of his season in the mid middle of the season and then he started to you know play like a rookie for the last couple weeks um they had a lot of close losses i know but overall i i'm leaning burrow slightly on this does eric or connor do you guys want to add anything to that i i Really, for me, there's no definitive way to argue other than this. This is just my gut feeling on this. Uh, I just think Burrow's going to end up being better.
2: I mean, my main reason would probably be the fact that, like, you know, like you said, Burrow had less to work with. And also that he would have been the rookie of the year had it not been for him getting hurt. Like Herbert definitely was. Like, in a way, he kind of got handed that award by Burrow getting hurt. You know, like, he was playing good and all, but there was no way he was going to win it unless Burrow got hurt. And lo and behold, Burrow got hurt. So, I mean, even towards the end of the season, like, when Herbert started to stagnate, there was even some talks like, oh, maybe Justin Jefferson might be in the conversation now. Like, you know, I don't think... Whereas, like, when Burrow was still playing, there was always like, okay, no question. Like, Burrow's the rookie of the year right now. Except for maybe, like, week two or three when Herbert, like, had a really good start. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I hope he doesn't win one or two Super Bowls, especially playing for the Bengals. Um, you know, maybe if he goes somewhere else, I'll let him win those Super Bowls, but not Wally's with Cincinnati, not allowed.
1: <laughs> so
0: Nate, you were the only one on team Herbert's side. So go ahead and say why you picked him instead of Burrow. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I think they're
3: both going to be, you know, some of the top, uh, five, 10 quarterbacks, you know, a few years from now, but um, I really like Herbert if I had to start a team from scratch just because of um uh, I think just really the I think the talent level, like his I think his ceiling is gonna be higher. You know, he did, like you said, play like a rookie um and that showed at times during down the stretch of the season, but I think um if they give him a chance to, you know, come in and uh, mature a little bit more, work on some of those things and um, you know, get a little bit more not that they had bad talent per se, but you know, add maybe one more piece. Um, short offensive line a little bit, and he could be, you know, really special with that you know, huge arm, he can move um, he can run a lot which is kind of like deceptive for you know, a bigger guy like he is I guess see him being a lot like Josh Allen where um, a couple years down the road he could really be, you know, something special with the tools he has, whereas Burrow, I think is going to, I think he was great off the bat, I think he's going to be really good for the Bengals going forward, but I just feel like, you know, his the ceilings are, you know, I think Herbert has more room to grow from uh, what we saw this year. Whereas Burrow, I think he'll get better with better talent around him. But um, I think, you know, what he has is a pass. I think we kind of know what he can do there. So I'm giving the slight edge to Herbert. But I think, you know, I really like the future for both of these guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. This was, I tried to make these as tough as possible. Some of them are easier than others. But this one I know is going to be tough for all of us. Um, Moving on now to our second quarterback duel. We have two different quarterbacks here. Matthew Stafford, formerly of the Lions, now was traded to the Rams. And Dak Prescott was with the Cowboys last year. We'll see what happens next year. I think he goes back. But um, Stafford or Dak, a lot of the times people have these two guys at the tail end of their top 10 quarterback lists or in the teens on their rankings. So I've seen rankings. I've seen lists with Stafford ahead and Dak ahead. But let's go ahead and make our picks, guys. I'm gonna be Team Stafford,
2: Team Prescott. Let's say I figured Eric would have to do that; otherwise, he's gonna end up sleeping on the couch tonight. But uh, but, uh, Team Stafford,
3: Team Stafford.
0: Wow. Okay. So we have a two to one, and Connor and I still haven't disagreed yet. Uh, We'll see how long that keeps going. Um, So I want to let Eric uh, defend his. Uh, team Prescott pick uh, and why you would rather have Prescott than Stafford.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say like, if I was going off of their current situations, my pick would have been Stafford. Cause I think he's in a great situation with LA now, but if I'm starting a fr- my own franchise and I get to pick one of these two to be my starting quarterback, uh, I'm picking Dak Prescott uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, the the biggest reason is just simply being because he's still he's a lot younger than Stafford so that's the biggest edge in my opinion if you're starting a franchise you want to have somebody that can probably last you a long time and I know he had that brutal injury and everything but uh, he's supposed to make a full recovery from what I understand so Uh, Just with him being a lot younger and still having, you know, a little more room to grow, I would rather have him for that reason. And also, too, uh, I just haven't seen Matthew Stafford really get much done in his career. I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in the sense that he's been on a bad team throughout most of his career but there have been some times where the lions had a lot of good weapons around them and they only made it to the playoffs like one time. Uh, That concerns me a little bit. Whereas while Dak's still pretty young, they've at least made the playoffs multiple times. I mean, he hasn't like won a super bowl or anything yet either, but um, I feel like Dak is just a little bit better overall than Stafford. And I, Like I said, mainly with the young age factor, he's going to last on my team a lot longer. So uh, that's why I'm picking Dak.
0: All right. So, Connor, talk to me about why you picked Stafford
2: (laughs) instead. So I think the thing for Stafford for me is that, you know, he's always been that gem on a bad team. I mean, you know, we always talk about Deshaun Watson as being like a gem on a bad team right now. But Matthew Stafford really has been that for his whole career. Because, I mean, I know... Eric mentions like, oh, that you know he had some weapons with him, you know, some of those years with Detroit. But the one thing that like Detroit has pretty much never had the whole time he's been there is a run game. Like Detroit has never, you know, I mean they had Reggie Bush for a couple of years, and he's like he's not meant to be an every down back. You know they had they got carry on Johnson that they thought he was going to be something special, but then you know he ended up just being really injury prone. And now they've got, you know, they're trying to develop DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson's long past his prime. Like, he's not going to be in every down back. So it's just they've always had good receiving talent, you know, with, you know, Calvin Johnson. And now they've got Kenny Galladay, who's also pretty injury prone. But, you know, there was some in-between years where, you know, he was throwing to, like, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. Like, he didn't have a number one receiver to throw to. Um, You know, both of those guys are definitely number two receivers. They're not primary receivers. And I feel like Detroit's always had a bad defense, too. I mean, they've had a couple of years where they've been able to put it together, but for the most part, Detroit has just been a dumpster fire. So, And yet, Stafford would still go out and throw for like 4,000 yards. I mean, he even broke the 5,000-yard mark one season. He's on that short list of quarterbacks, which Drew Brees is on like five times, (laughs) um, of quarterbacks who have thrown for over 5,000 yards. So I just, and I think he's, you know, obviously Dak, like you said, is younger, but and I know you said something like, you know, that Dax still has room to grow. I honestly don't think Dax going to grow anymore. I mean, this is going to be what, like his sixth season now that we're going into. Um, so he's pretty much, I think he's hit the point now where it's like he's not going to develop anymore than he already has. And like, I know, I know I've mentioned this on a previous episode before that a lot of the stats that he put up this year were in garbage time. And that, you know, they're quite a bit overinflated when people look at them, they go like, oh, like Dak Prescott had 420 yards in like five touchdowns. And it's like, well, you know, 203 of those touchdowns came when the other team was playing prevent defense, which I mean, I could probably throw against prevent defense. It's the worst defense ever invented. So um, it's just I, I don't know. I think I trust the experience and the veteran leadership that Stafford has. He's been doing it for a lot longer. We I said and with both of these guys you know what you're going to get and with Stafford in my opinion he's just a, a little bit better when it comes to that facade
0: yeah and I'll quickly add in a few points here to add on to the Stafford side I think um, because he's in Detroit he gets overlooked but also too, another factor for me in this pick is uh, they're both tough but man Stafford is so tough like the hits that he gets because his offensive line sucks. That's another um, benefit that Prescott's had a great offensive line most of his career, but Safford's has been just shoddy at best. And um, the kind of hits he takes, he, he truly leaves it all on the field. And with the way that the game is now, he's going to play for probably another 10 years. So his, while he is older, I still think he's in the prime of his career because uh, quarterbacks last a lot, a lot longer with these new NFL rules. So I feel like he can last another ten years and have far more success than Dak will because just because you're younger doesn't mean you're better. And I think uh, I think Dak is could potentially end up being like a Carson Wentz. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, we'll move on now to the next set here the the final group of quarterbacks. So we've got Team Kyler Murray and Team Josh Allen. So I'll go ahead and start this. I will pick. Team Josh Allen.
1: Josh Allen. Josh Allen.
0: Josh Allen. Okay, so we all I as I figured we would probably all pick Josh Allen on this, but I'll give a I'll give a devil's advocate for Murray. But Nate, start us off with why you picked Allen and what benefits does he have that Murray doesn't.
3: Yeah, so I mean I think it's for me it's really just I think you know Josh Allen really impressed me this year. I think the strides he's taken to become better, like all-around passer. Obviously, we knew the arm strength was there, the mobility's always been there, but he really looked like a real, you know, franchise quarterback this season. And I think that for me, Kyler Murray just hasn't really hit that point yet where he puts up great numbers, um, both passing and rushing. But it's just if you look at the teams he's played on in uh, in Arizona, there's just not a whole lot of Um, not a whole lot else on offense besides him and DeAndre Hopkins doing the whole thing. So I feel like, you know, he is great on paper, but, um, if I had to pick someone to, again, like run my imaginary franchise, I would would take Allen on a heartbeat just because, you know, the all around, I think he has, you know, more talent, bigger arm, and he finally has the, uh, you know, the mental, um, decision-making part. seems like he has that down better so I would have to give him the edge here I think Murray's still gonna have a great upside but it's just I don't know, I'd like to see him with you know more talent around him and see what he can actually uh do as a real quarterback
0: all right do any of you guys want to add anything to to Allen before I give my devil's advocate no nah, I'm good
2: yeah I think Nate
0: said it all pretty okay much. <laughs> all right so like I said I would pick Allen but my devil's advocate for this is I do think Murray I the okay so I think we know what Murray is but with Allen for me my devil's advocate would be we've only seen one really good year um he had a decent year the the other time they made the playoffs but last year was his big breakout year um and Murray's only had two seasons but the thing when I watch Allen that frustrates me the most is sometimes his decision making with uh taking sacks or um, throwing interceptions and stuff. It's just, you never know if that stuff could come back. Um, it's unlikely, I think, but that, you know, is keeping me. I want—I really want to see another full season like last year before I'm really 100% sold. And with Murray, I think I'm more sold on how he's going to be. He's not going to be as good in the long term as Allen will be if they continue on the path that they are. But I do think he can be solid enough to to win a Super Bowl with even if the right pieces are in place what do you guys think
1: yeah I, I agree yeah. with that I mean Ky- like Kyler Murray's obviously not a bad choice or anything it's not like all oh, like it's not like oh I picked Josh Allen because he subs or something like uh Murray definitely has the potential to get it done and you saw it's kind of interesting that these are the two choices because you saw Kyler Murray take a big step when he got uh, DeAndre Hopkins this year and you saw Josh Allen take a big step when he got Stefan Diggs so definitely shows uh, how important it is to have proper weapons around you but uh, I do like Josh Allen better though I like his uh, size and frame better I I like his athletic ability like Murray just kind of Worries me a little more with the size, but uh, obviously, it's not like it's a bad pick or anything,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go on and look. I did post all of these questions to Twitter, so if you follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport, you would have seen these, and you can follow us there for more tweets and content. Uh, so for the Burrow and Herbert tweet, we had 101 votes, which is pretty good, and Herbert actually got 67% of the vote, so. Uh, they disagreed with us and then the one with Matthew Stafford or Dak Prescott Prescott got 78 percent of the vote Stafford got 22 percent and then which also disagreed with us by the way and then uh, Kyler Murray or Josh Allen Allen got overwhelming 97 percent compared to 3 percent from Kyler Murray this had 278 votes Mainly the Bills Mafia found it and tweeted it and then everybody voted on it. So I think that was skewed, but also I think that was what the majority would say um, as well. So those were how the tweets went. And now let's transition and go on to wide receiver section of this or that. So for this one, these aren't two wide receivers, but I thought it was interesting because they play on the same team. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey two dynamic pass catchers. So who would you guys rather go with personally? I'm going to pick team Kelsey,
1: team Kelsey,
0: team Kelsey, team Kelsey. Okay. So we all four agreed on this one. Um I guess I'll let Connor start uh, as why uh, team Kelsey.
2: Yeah, I definitely would go with Travis Kelsey just because I feel like he's way more. I don't know. Like he's got a lot more to his game than Tyree kill does. I think Tyree kill, I mean, yeah. Obviously, he's super fast, and you know he can, you know, easily break away. And you know, you think you've got him covered, but then all of a sudden he goes for like a sixty-yard touchdown. But I think he really showed that, you know, especially in the game against the Bucks in the Super Bowl, that like, you know, as long as you put, you know, keep one of those safeties back to guard him, then he's pretty ineffective. Um, you know, he he doesn't have the room to get around the people like he usually does you know he can't use his speed as much and you know because that's the big I mean you know teams still make this mistake somehow but like you know these teams that decide to put him in like one-on-one coverage with someone like he's obviously going to outrun them but you know as long as you can do what the Bucks did and you know have a safety over the top to help with Tyreek Hill then you pretty much contain him whereas with Kelsey he's so much more dynamic I mean obviously he his size you know him and Gronk are kind of like, you know, they were the two tight ends that like, I guess Gronk kind of started it, but Kelsey is kind of like the next generation tight end to carry it over. You know, he's a little bit fast. Like he's not quite as big as Gronk is, but he's a little bit faster. He's a little bit more maneuverable. Um, You know, he, his size is just a mismatch. I mean, unless you can have a really good linebacker or, you know, or you want to bring up one of your safeties to cover him because the DB is not going to be able to cover him. Um, you're going to have to have a really good fast linebacker or you're going to have to bring up one of your safeties to cover him because he's going to get open otherwise. And you know, he can just use his strength and his size to get over it. Um, and and like I said, we saw that in the super bowl too, with even when Mahomes was running for his life and Tyree kill wasn't able to get open, he still managed to find Kelsey, I think like eight or nine times in that game. So, And Kelsey, obviously, is a huge red zone target, whereas I think Tyreek Hill becomes highly ineffective in the red zone. Um, You know, at that point, you kind of can put man-to-man coverage with him because, you know, he's not going to run past you or anything for a long gain because there's only five yards to go or whatever. So I just think Kelsey can be used in way more situations than Tyreek Hill.
0: All right, yeah, I think think you summed that up nicely. Uh, And we all agree with you. And so far, guys... Connor and I agreed four out of four times, so that's who would have thought that. We'll see if that changes don't on the next. do
2: I know at least one coming up where I'm pretty sure we're going to disagree. So,
0: oh wow, okay. Um, <laughs> so the next one we have two uh, two of the top receivers this past year. Uh, that would be Devonte Adams and Stephon Diggs. So I'm going to go Team Adams.
1: First of all, let me just say in our family league at one point I did have both of these guys on my team. Uh team Yeah, thanks yeah, thank
2: <laughs> you for trading Stefan Diggs to me. So I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna You're go with I'm gonna go team diggs.
0: <laughs> First
2: disagree.
0: <laughs> and I'm gonna go uh, team Adams. Okay, so we have three Adams, one Diggs. Uh, I guess we'll let Eric talk about why he picked the Adams.
1: Yeah, I just I both of these guys obviously had fantastic seasons, but in my opinion, uh, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I, I feel like he tends to get overlooked by a lot of people. Like a lot of people say like Julio Jones is better. Or a lot of people say Deandre Hopkins is better. And, and obviously like I like both of those guys as well. And I'm very impressed by them, but Devonte Adams to me is just on a whole nother level. Uh, it seems to me like no matter what teams try to do to stop this guy, he still finds a way to get open. And even in Green Bay, when most people couldn't even name a lot of their other wide receivers that they have, like most people haven't even heard of them. Like he still finds a way to get it done, even though like he knows going into the game, like I'm probably going to get double teamed a lot of the time. The teams are going to be game planning to stop me. He still puts up amazing numbers. He still is reliable. Uh, I've just been very impressed with him. Whereas Diggs has been good his whole career, and obviously he had a fantastic season this past season, but I haven't seen Diggs do it enough for me to put him over Adams. Whereas Adams, over you know several of these last seasons, has just year in and year out brought it. So I, I've got Adams.
0: All right, yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you said there, Eric, but uh Connor, why did you pick Diggs instead?
2: So, thing for me with, I feel like these two are very, I mean, you know, it's a good comparison here. They're very, like, mirror images of each other, whereas, you know, they both have a really good quarterback, but they're on a team where they're pretty much the only big receiving threat. I mean, the Bills have Cole Beasley, too, but he's more of just kind of like that slot receiver and... You know, obviously the Packers have like their deep threat with Alan Lazard. So, you know, they both have other receivers to go to. But um, I feel like, like you said, these guys, they know they're going to get doubled. They know that they're going to, you know, do whatever. And it was funny because Eric said that he mentioned that, you know, he hasn't seen Stefan Diggs do it enough. I feel like I haven't seen Devontae Adams do it enough, especially with the fact that, you know, he's obviously got a future Hall of Fame quarterback throwing to him with Aaron Rodgers, Um you know, the thing with Devontae Adams, you know, you look at his seasons and, you know, really there's only he's only had two seasons so far in his career where he's been over a thousand yards. I mean, obviously, I know um, in 2019 he had a couple injury problems, but like, you know, still out of his whole career, only two seasons over a thousand yards, whereas um, I don't know exactly how many Stephon Diggs has. But obviously, Stephon Diggs had the advantage of having, you know, Adam Thielen next to him for a little bit of his career, but I think he really proved this season that he could step out and be that number one guy. So, I mean, Diggs only has three, too, but it's just like I think with Stefan Diggs, you, you talk about how Devontae Adams was able to get open and, like, oh, you know, he somehow always finds the way. I feel like that's the way it was with Diggs this year. I mean, Diggs, he had like over 125 receptions. He had like 1,500 receiving yards. It seemed like no matter what these defenses tried to do to stop him this year, Josh Allen would find a way to get it to him. And, you know, obviously Josh Allen was great this year, but Aaron Rodgers was the MVP this year. So still an inferior quarterback situation um, going on there. So I just think, and Diggs is also, he's a little bit younger than Devontae Adams. He hasn't been around quite as long, so I just like the future for Stephon Diggs more than I like it for Devonte Adams because I feel like the second that you know Aaron Rodgers leaves um, Green Bay or Devontae Adams goes somewhere else, he's not going to be as successful. Whereas Stephon Diggs, you know, he had Kirk Cousins throwing to him at one point; he still put up numbers. So I think Stephon Diggs can do it anywhere on any team. Whereas I don't see that out of Devontae Adams. I think he's in a great situation in Green Bay, but it wouldn't work out otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was that was a really tough one. And I, I did think that they were like mirror images of each other. That's why I put them together. And then same, honestly, too, with this next set. This is going to be really hard to pick between. But uh, our next two that we have here are going to be Alan Robinson and Mike Evans. So, man, I've gone back and forth on this one a lot. But right now I'm going to I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to say Team Evans. Team A-Rob.
2: Team A-Rob.
0: Team Robinson. Okay, wow. So I'm on my own this time. Uh, (laughs) I I picked Mike Evans. Everybody else picked Allen Robinson. So I guess my thing for Evans is like he's a guaranteed thousand yards. Like I'm pretty sure I don't think any year he's had less than a thousand yards. And A-Rob's been great. I know like I will have nothing bad to say about A-Rob. But other than the fact that he has had an injury history um mike evans i think is more dependable in that department i think he's over the career he's missed a lot less games which is nice and they're both types similar types of receivers jump ball type of guys uh you could argue maybe one does it better than the other but for me mike evans the fact that he shows up like almost every week um he's always had he's always been the number one receiver um, his entire career so he's always getting the number one matchup and uh, I know the you'll probably talk about how the Buccaneers offense was loaded but still to me he was their biggest weapon he's the end zone guy red zone you know sometimes there will be games where he gets like two catches for six yards but two touchdowns like that's also an important factor with receivers I think is being able to be useful in the red zone and he's definitely quite useful at that and he was a big reason, I think, why the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for him, I'm not sure they could have done it. So that also speaks to his value, in my opinion. But I'll let Eric talk about Allen Robinson first, since he, uh, obviously a former Jag.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always loved watching this guy. I really wish the Jags would have kept him. and tried to find a way to make the relationship work because – Allen Robinson is just unbelievably good. And I think putting the numbers aside for a second, I mean, I I think the biggest thing that makes Allen Robinson stand out to me more over Mike Evans, not necessarily him, but if you look at the quarterback play that Allen Robinson has had to deal with throughout his career, I mean, this man dealt with uh, like Blaine Gabbard and Chad Henney on the Jags. And then now he's been dealing with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles on the Bears. I mean, what Eric? Guy, that, those dude. are like
2: the best quarterbacks in the history of the league. Actually, it was, it was
1: Bortles, not Gabbard. Oh, think Bortles. That's like, up,
2: right. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah, that's right. so much Bortles, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, upgrade. <laughs> upgrade.
1: Way to disprove, the my Wait disprove my argument there, Zach. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would guarantee you, like, get this guy on a team with a competent quarterback and this guy will take you places like he could take a team to the moon if he had a good quarterback. I mean, the numbers that he's put up and I, I, I swear, like when I watched him on the Jags, I haven't seen many of his, as many of his games on the bears, obviously. But when I, when he was on the Jags, I mean, if a 50, 50 ball came his way, like, I don't even know if I could recall a time where he didn't come down with it. I mean, some of the catches this man came down with were just unbelievably good. So, Mike Evans may have like the better numbers and things like that. But if I'm starting a team, I'm taking Allen Robinson because I'll, you know, I'll get him somebody better than Mitch Trubisky or Blake Bortles. And, uh, and this guy's going to take new places.
0: All right. Nate, do you want to add anything to that? Cause I know you also met him in person. So you might have a personal reason for uh, picking him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: uh, Eric covered most of it. But yeah, like I was, like Zach said, I'm big. I've been a big fan since he was in Jacksonville, and, I mean, yeah, like, the best quarterback he's played with in his career is probably either Nick Foles or Blake Bortles. I would probably say Nick Foles, I guess, but that's, I mean, that's pretty Wee. bad. So, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like Eric said, I mean, the catches he makes on a week-in, week-out basis are incredible, but it's, most of the time it's because none of those guys could, you know, put it within, you know, his, like, a foot of him, he has to make all these crazy catches, and, I think he can still make big plays if he has a good quarterback, but it's just, like, I think, you know, if you get him the ball, like, accurately and get him open and all that, his numbers are just going to go through the roof. He's going to be, you know, probably, you know, he could lead the league in yards if he had a real quarterback. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I would take, and I'd like to see him uh, land on a legit team <laughs> this offseason, hopefully.
0: Yeah. That's that's always been a thing with uh, Robinson, though, is like he's been known for chasing the bag instead of like going to a winning situation. Um, uh, but let's take a look here at these Twitter polls and see what Twitter if Twitter agrees with us or not. So for the Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey debate, we had 16 votes only, but 63 percent went with Kelsey. Thirty seven percent went with Hill and then for Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs, we had 79% go with Adams and only 21% with Diggs, basically mirroring what we said. And then we had Allen Robinson win 61% to 38% uh, versus Mike Evans. So Allen Robinson did win the Twitter battle for uh, for that duo, but that was such a hard one for me to pick. Um, <laughs> And then now we'll move on to the running backs. It doesn't get any any easier with this one, guys. So we'll start out with the first one. These are the best and most established on this list here. But I believe they're from the same draft class, too. So that makes things even more interesting. Um, We're going to decide between Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. I'm going to go Team Cook. Team Kamara. I will
2: say this was probably like the toughest one for me to decide. But... I cannot deny my dude who won me the fantasy football championship, (laughs) Team Alvin Kamara.
3: (laughs) I got to go Team Kamara. That was a tough one for me, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this one was really tough. This is another one for me that I was, like, flip-flopping on, but I I settled with Cook. Um, Mainly the reason I settled with Cook is comparing the offensive lines of the Vikings and Saints, like how you guys were just using the argument about how Robinson has never had a good quarterback compared to, um, compared to Evans having Brady and, and, uh, Winston. But for me, this is like, this is similar to that. in the fact that Kamara has had a great offensive line and Dalvin cook hasn't had a great offensive line. Um, the biggest weakness for cook would be injuries, which is like the opposite of what I argued last uh, time with Evans and Robinson, but still, um, Cook is just so dynamic, in my opinion, and and he's like a pure running back as well. Um, I feel like there's guys that can do what Alvin Kamara does in the passing game uh, solely. You can find those you can find like a Tevin Coleman, Austin Eckler is around like there's guys that do that sort of stuff in the passing game. But the stuff that Cook does in the running game, like up the middle, um, it's rare. There's only a handful that can do what he does. And for that reason is why I'm picking him. And he accounts for so much of the Vikings offense. Um, He's really their go-to guy. Um, So, And also, too, he's had, during his career, he's had the downside of playing with Kirk Cousins compared to Drew Brees. So teams are definitely eyeing up Cook more than they are um, with uh, Brees, you know, having the threat of Brees when he was great in his career. But like I said, this this one's a tough one, but I I ended up settling with Cook. Um, Connor, talk us through about why you went with Kamara, and obviously he won you the
2: championship, so <laughs> you can
0: say that too, probably.
2: <laughs> yep, yeah, he was. Uh, him and Kelsey were the two biggest reasons, but definitely that last week when he had that Christmas Day game, I was like, I kn- we knew like right from the beginning. I was like, well, you can just go ahead and hand this to Connor. But um, yeah, no, I think. You know, what you were talking about with the quarterback situation, like with Kirk Cousins and um, Drew Brees, I think Alvin Kamara really stepped out of that shadow this year and really showed that he can. Because there's always been that question with Alvin Kamara, like, okay, can he be the running back that can put the team on his back? You know, he's for most of his career. Mark Ingram was in New Orleans and he was, you know, the really the grind it out, get the tough yards back. And now they have Latavius Murray, which they ironically got from the Minnesota Vikings. But um, you know, and he's kind of now like the grind it out every down back, but Murray's not nearly as dynamic as Ingram is, or like, you know, he's not as good as Mark Ingram was. So, you know, they really had to rely on Camara this year, especially with the fact that Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball further than 15 yards on a consistent basis. So, um, Kamara really got, he was really able to shine. And I think it really was good for him to like, like I said, he stepped out of it because you knew you knew that going into these games that, you know, what was the number one, especially with Michael Thomas being hurt all year, too, for the most part, like you knew going into these games, who is the one guy that we have to stop on the Saints? It's Alvin Kamara. And yet nobody could seem to do it. You um, I mean, not even the I mean, the Bucks were like the one team that managed to keep him and keep him contained all year, um, you know. But even then, like, it kind of showed that they had to focus so much on Kamara that they actually let Drew Brees beat them for the most part in those two games during the regular season. Obviously, the playoff game was different. But, um, yeah, and like, he's, you know, he's probably up there with like as uh, up there with Christian McCaffrey is like the most dynamic running back in the league in terms of that he can do everything. You know, he can be a receiver. He can run the ball. He's got ridiculous speed. Um you know, he's one of the deadliest running backs in the league on the toss play. Um, you know, you don't see toss plays too often anymore because, you know, just these defensive ends and linebackers are too athletic. You know, they get past the blocks too easily. But Alvin Kamara is one of the few running backs in the league that can still make the toss play work. Um, and, yeah, he's definitely not as good of a, a pure running back as Dalvin Cook. But, you know, he's definitely the a weapon that you have to account for every game, no matter what situation you're in. So, um and like I said, I think he stepped out of the Drew Brees shadow this year. So it'll be interesting to see how he does going forward, because obviously now it's going to be, you know, looking like most likely Taysom Hill is going to be taking over a quarterback. But um, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep up the success. Uh, Sands Drew Brees.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see that. This this one was so tough to pick from, but yeah. we'll move <laughs> on to the we'll we'll move on to the next one um and this is gonna be aaron jones versus nick chubb so i'm gonna go team
2: chubb team chubb
0: team chubb
2: oh uh uh-oh nate nate (laughs) oh
3: he's
0: muted sorry i I was (laughs) muted (laughs) oh okay (laughs) that's fine (laughs) uh team chubb though okay so i'll stick with nate um why, because uh, I know we have Packers fans listen to us, but uh, why do you prefer Chubb over Jones?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's, I don't know, I just think he's, in terms of being an all-around back, um, I like Chubb, you know, both these guys, always, this is a tough one, they're, they're both obviously great, um, both put up great numbers week in, week out, but I just think Chubb's more of an all-around back to me, and it's just, he's been playing in Cleveland, Um, which until this year really wasn't, you know, a great situation. Um, Jones has been great, but he's been with um, a guy like Aaron Rodgers who, you know, defenses can't stack the box. You got Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams, you got all those guys out wide, and it's like, you know, I think things are a little bit easier uh, for running back in that situation than, um, like I said, until last year when um, things really started clicking for uh, the Browns. But, I don't know, I think... um, I don't think Chubb just for me is showing off more of that top end ability and even splitting carries with um, uh, last year. I think, you know, we still put up big numbers and made a bunch of big plays. So I think talent wise, I would, I would take Chubb over Jones, although they're both, um, I think pretty kind of similar style of backs. Um, I would take Chubb though.
0: Yeah. I'll like I should have done a trigger warning at the start guys. Like this isn't hate towards the people we don't pick. Like, aaron jones is great it's just we all
2: think chubb's a little bit better um well you know <laughs> but, i was like because you know the people are going to complain they're going to be like oh they're continuing that packers hate like
0: three of us picked tay adams so uh i picked tay <laughs> adams too so you know you can't say anything about that um but yeah chubb to me is so dy- so dynamic and he reminds you of like a smash smash mouth like physical running back from like a decade ago like and honestly like if the browns he's like one of the only running backs that like if they ran it on third and 10 like i could realistically see them getting that like that's how good of a runner he is and i watched that a lot of times with cleveland they did so much better with him than without him he's huge to their offense like i i think he's almost derrick henry-esque for he's like the derrick henry for cleveland in my opinion but um, we'll move on now, and we started the show with a pair of rookies. We will end the show with a pair of rookies. So two of the best rookie run- running backs from last season, also playing the same division to add to that rivalry. We've got James Robinson and Jonathan Taylor. So I'm going to go Team Robinson.
2: Duh, Team Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker there. Um, this was another really tough one for me, but I'm going to go Team Robinson. Team Robinson.
3: Yeah, I've got to go with Team Robinson, too.
0: Okay, uh, so we all picked Robinson, you know. Might be a little biased here, but... Uh... I,
2: well, see, I'm not. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So then let's have Connor start then as the unbiased, and then we'll transition to the bias.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely just think, I just base this, you know, obviously we've only got one season to evaluate these guys so far, but I just really base it off of, you know, Definitely comparing the situations that both of these running backs are in. I mean, the Colts have a way better offensive line, you know, with Quentin Nelson, especially being the key point of that offensive line. And, you know, just the whole unit is really good. Um, And obviously, Philip Rivers was still able to put together a decent season. So teams still had to account for the passing game when they were playing the Colts. But literally, James Robinson was the whole Jaguars offense this year, like you know, Gardner Minshew didn't play very well, and then when he was hurt, like, when Jake Luton was coming in and playing, like, he couldn't do anything, and Mike Glennon was even worse. Like, the Jaguars literally had nothing going for them on offense in any fashion except for James Robinson, so the fact that he was that he was able to put up the numbers that he did just was astounding to me. It showed, you know, it was almost Barry Sanders-esque in a way that, like, you know... Okay, I, you know, I said this with Camara, but even more so with the Jaguars. Like, okay, who do we have to stop? We have to stop James Robinson. Like, he's their whole offense. Like, they have nothing else except James Robinson. And yet, teams still didn't manage to stop him. I mean, he was even in the conversation for Rookie of the Year at one point. It's crazy that, you know, an undrafted rookie running back, of all things, was in the conversation for Rookie of the Year for a while. So, um, you know, a, a thousand-yard season in his rookie year, on a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, uh, applause to you. Hats off to you, James Robinson. Like, you know, I mean, I think it's really good for the Jaguars. You know, they have they have that piece, you know, they're they're in full rebuild mode right now. You know, hopefully for them, they're going to get their quarterback this year. So but they've already got the running back down. So no need to worry there.
0: Yeah, so I'll you know having watched all sixteen of those terrible Jaguar games, I'll say this like
2: <laughs> except for the
0: first one, the first except one, for yeah. the first one, yeah. <laughs> like a majority of the games, they were behind, and probably actually all of them, they were behind in the fourth quarter. And for whatever reason, Jay Gruden just decided to throw the ball like even in the kind of close game sometimes like. The Texans game I remember was close. Like the Vikings really, game, yeah, the Vikings. Like they they just went away from the run, and it was so frustrating to watch. It was like, why are you going away from the run when that's the best thing you have going for you? And they're not stopping it. That was the thing. Like he would average five yards a carry in the first half, and then get like four carries the second half. Like that's the thing. Like if he had, if he would, like you say, if he was on a better team and he could have run the ball more. I don't know how many carries he got, but in the second half, he had almost nothing. Like it was just a joke to watch, but he could have done so much better if they had leads and if they were um, running the ball in the second half as well. And in the passing game, he was actually surprisingly decent as well. And another thing too, I don't know what Taylor's touchdowns were and Eric will definitely agree with me on this, but I've never in my life seen someone get so many touchdowns, call back for penalties then James oh Robinson. God, yes. I had him on my fantasy team too, so that made things worse. But he would get like a thirty yard touchdown callback for holding or a thirty yard touchdown callback for illegal motion or something or it's just some random there'd be sometimes it would be something not even to do with the with his touchdown. And sometimes or, they were or like a false start, but like yeah. they him, but like
2: they let him run all the way anyway, they didn't blow it dead. Well like. no,
0: no, I didn't I didn't see that. But but it was just like just um just so many times it got called back for penalties and if even half of those had counted as touchdowns he would have had a much more impressive touchdown stat um eric knows that but eric do you want to add anything else to the robinson soapbox here <laughs> i
1: i was hoping maybe y'all would forget something but i i think y'all covered it pretty well okay so. <laughs> yeah
0: i i was i knew i wasn't gonna forget the the touchdowns he got taken away from
1: him my god that was so many this year well i, I guess um, just about the penalties though was like sometimes the flag would come you would think like oh yeah touchdown like touchdown let's go and then like oh here comes a flag oh there was a like what like sometimes the flags would come in so late like after
2: the Play was over, like it's almost like there's something going on here. It's a little skeptical, like, like one of these refs has money on the other team or something. Like, 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 the, oh, like the, my, the,
1: my buddy has James Robinson on his fantasy team. Let me oh, flag. like, like, like the Jaguars are getting too close in this game. Like, we have <laughs> yeah. them winning, like,
0: <laughs> I know, but 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 also that wouldn't make sense though, because uh, because they wanted the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence, so uh, um. They would, I I honestly, you know, they would have been like, let's get, let's make sure the Jets catch Trevor Lawrence, but I'm, I'm not going to promote those types of conspiracy theories here on the show. Um, I, let's look tr- at, trust Twitter me, i have already, already,
2: I'm already, i have already seen too much on Facebook about people saying the NFL is Raid because, oh, yeah. Super Bowl. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we,
0: we know. Um. So let's take a look at the Twitter polls here and see what the results were. 67% took Kamara, 33% took Cook. We had eighty percent take Chubb, twenty percent take Aaron Jones. Uh, both of these respectively got twelve and fifteen votes each. And then for this last last one, James Robinson or Jonathan Taylor. Taylor won the vote sixty three percent. I forgot none of us were to none of us made um devil's advocates for Jones or Taylor, but that's all right. Um we already talked about that enough, so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> i probably could have done we'll,
2: it for either of them anyway so yeah yeah that's
0: fine that's fine uh we'll, we'll wrap the show up with around the hoop and for this episode we have a star potentially on the move so i'll let eric start us off on the discussion about andre drummond
1: yes yeah, so in case if you haven't heard the Cleveland Cavaliers are looking to trade Andre Drummond. Um, you can look at his stats here. He's basically, this is what he's done throughout his whole career. I mean, he averages a double-double with points and rebounds, uh, you know, and then defensively you might get a block or steal a game or something like that. So like Andre Drummond's a pretty good player, Uh He's not my favorite player or anything, but I guess I guess the best thing to say about him is that he's like a he, he's definitely he's obviously a reliable rebounder. He's definitely one of the best rebounders in the NBA. And then he's not a dynamic scorer or anything. He's not gonna like create offense for you, but he'll he'll get you some easy buckets on a pick and roll, like drive to the basket or you know get an offensive rebound and get a putback like. Like that that's where he brings the most value to the table. So um, I could definitely see some teams that would be interested in trading for him. I I think the biggest thing that's holding up the Cavs right now, though, is he does have a pretty expensive salary. Um, I don't remember exactly what his number is, but I want to say it's like twenty million or twenty five million. That,
0: yeah, I think it's twenty eight.
1: Yeah, I, I knew it was like mid to high twenties. So um i do think he's i think he is a little overpaid uh since he's not a dynamic of enough scorer, but at the same time like i said like finding a good finding a good big in today's nba that you know can get you guaranteed rebounds and things like that uh can be a little bit difficult to come by so we've got we came up with a list of five teams that we think are the best fits and also seem to be the teams that are the most interested in trading for him. So we're going to kind of break down each team and uh, why we think that it's a, you know, good fit for that team. And so uh, we have the Toronto Raptors. We have the Charlotte Hornets, Woo! Steve, Woo! <laughs> the, the New York Knicks, Nick Ruse team, uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets. So, I'm going to start with the Toronto Raptors here. And the Raptors probably overall do make the most sense. They are also the team that seems to be drawing the most interest. Um, the Raptors could really use a good big man ever since uh, Mark Gasol and Serge Baca left. Uh, that's definitely a big hole for them. They still have Bleet and Lowry, so they're you know doing okay at the guards. They've got Siakam, although he hasn't been quite as good this year. But um, the Raptors are turning it around as well. They kind of struggled early on in the season. They're starting to play a little bit better. So getting a good big would be very beneficial for them. Uh, the only reason why i could see a trade not happening for the raptors would be because the raptors do have a problem with the salary cap as do many teams that are interested in trading for him so the only way i think a trade is going to work with the raptors is if they can get a third team involved to dump a bad contract off on or something so that they can make the room for him. But if they can make room and get Andre Drummond, I think the Raptors could be a little bit more of a team to, you know, look out for, you know, heading towards the rest of the season. So um, that's the description of Andre Drummond, what he brings to the table. And then that is also the, case for why he could go to the raptors and then obviously since connor's team is the hornets connor will present his case for the hornets acquiring andre drummond
2: yeah so i mean definitely the biggest thing that the hornets need right now is a big time center um you know gordon hayward's been playing good um you know terry Rozier and lamella ball have been playing good at the guards miles bridges has done pretty good coming off the bench um but it's really been the four and the five that have not been good for the Hornets this year. Um, you know, P.J. Washington is kind of struggling this year. And I think it's really because there's that lack of a good, really big uh, physical center in the middle. Um, you know, Cody Zeller and Bismack Babumbo are not going to scare anybody. So, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? You, you know, they're like the best players in the NBA. What? Best big um, man duo ever. <laughs> But yeah, so um, it's really just going to be about getting that big man in the middle. Because I think that will really help P.J. Washington. You know, they both have very similar styles of play. They both like to crash the board. They both like to go after rebounds. Um, You know, it's just I think they're a good fit together. Whereas I don't think P.J. Washington meshes well with either Zeller or Bismack Babumbo. But... Basically, from what I'm hearing, when it comes to trade rumors between the Hornets and the Cavaliers, obviously the Hornets, just like everyone else, you know, they have to worry about cap problems when it comes to trading for Drummond because he's making like a—it's basically like a twenty-eight million dollar contract. So um, it's just a lot of money that has to go out to get to him. So basically, from what I'm seeing the rumors are would be that the Hornets would trade both Zeller and Babumbo, And they would also throw in Malik Monk and in the trade. Um, So that way they have enough money going out basically because all three of those players are on expiring deals, Um, especially Zeller. He's making 15.4 mil on his deal this year, which, you know, I know the Hornets would love to get rid of that because Zeller is really not worth that at all. Um, I don't know why he got paid that much in the first place, but um, especially when like he's still basically Michael on... Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically still on his rookie uh on like a first round pick deal, um in a way. Like not completely, but it's just like he never really showed anything, even though he was a first round pick. It's just like, okay, we're he's not he didn't really show anything, but let's give him all this money, you know, like the Hornets like to do. You know, they gave Gordon Hayward a hundred and twenty million dollar contract, so um but so basically It gets rid of Zeller's deal. Malik Monk, that would clear another 5 mil or so. And then Babumbo's only making... He's basically making a minimum salary right now, so it's like a little over 2 mil that he's making. So um, basically, it would get rid of all three of those contracts. No re-signing to have to be done there. And it would really bring in a really strong, solid piece for the team. Um, I know losing Malik Monk probably would be the biggest hurt from this trade, because I don't think losing Zeller... But uh, if you get Andre Drummond losing Zeller and Babumbo is not going to be a big deal at all, Um, you know, and they've already got Vernon Carey as like the second center on the team when they drafted him. So they don't need depth. death isn't going to be an issue either. It's really I think losing Malik Monk would be the biggest hindrance because he's been a good scorer off the bench. He's not a starter or anything, but, you know, he's been a fire off the bench. He's a good three point shooter. Um, But I definitely think, you know, the benefits would outweigh the cost than that because like he's made you know for a player that comes off the bench like only making fun making five million a year like it'd be good to get rid of that um especially since he's probably going to command more money in the future um just because that's what players like to do but getting a player like drummond would be big so make it happen charlotte like the, the hornets <laughs> are already doing good so this could push yeah. us over the top yeah,
0: so I'm going to talk about why the Knicks and Mavs should make this trade. And I'll start with the Knicks first, which uh, you might think is a little bit surprising. But when you, you know, think about it a, a little bit deeper, it actually makes a lot of sense, I think, for the Knicks. Because first off, how would Drummond fit on the team? I think he'd fit great because Mitchell Robinson is off to a not a great start to the season. Uh, he was basically the hope for Knicks fans was hoping that Mitchell Robinson would be this great center for him, but that's not turning out to be the case this year. And then the second big reason I think they should do the trade is um, the fact that they're actually good this year. They're over exceeding kind of like the Hornets are. So the reason he's going to be leaving the Cavs, is they're sucking now, like they're 10 and 19, I think is a record. So, they're doing they're not yeah, gonna they, make they've, the they've lost
2: nine of their last ten. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're they're just falling apart. So that's the thing. Like the Cavs aren't making a playoff push. The Knicks are like the seventh seed right now. So they're you know, along with the Hornets, they're trying to make a playoff push for the first time in a long time. So they could really use him on their team. And then finally, like I I'm, I'm not sure what the trade would entail. I didn't do enough research on that, but as far as cap space goes, I gotta assume I gotta assume like the Knicks are one of the better cap situation teams out there. So they have the most flexibility, I would say, out of all these teams. And another thing good about this trade for them is Drummond's on an expiring deal. So it's not like they're going to tie themselves up for next free agency, whoever's available. You know, like, I'm not sure if free agents will go to the next, but at least they'll have the money to offer the the next batch of free agents. And it's not like they're going to have $28 million for Drummond every single season. But he could do great for them in the short term, and I don't think it would take a lot to take him off the Cavs because they just really want to get rid of him. Um, and then for the Mavericks' sake, this is a little bit different from the Knicks' point of view because the Mavericks aren't off to a great season. They're doing a lot worse than people thought they'd be. They're currently not in the playoffs, so they're probably in the mindset of, we were expected to make the playoffs. We need to make the playoffs. Let's do whatever we can to make the playoffs. So they're going to be buyers on the trade deadline. And I think Drone makes a lot of sense for them because, you know, he's, he's, not, I wouldn't say he's cheap with his contract, but he's cheap in terms of what it would take to get him. I've seen trade offers of like backup. I can't remember them, but it's just kind of like uh, with the hornets, like some backup players and stuff for for Drummond, and I think that'd be good for them because also, too, they need a a big, you know, Porzingis is that offensive, like, unicorn that, you know, shoots threes and, you know, plays out of position a lot, but Drummond is, like, that traditional center that gets the rebounds and plays defense and does the dirty work and stuff, and I think that's something that the, the Mavericks really can use is somebody like him on their team, and I think that would be... It would it would definitely put them in a lot better chance to make the playoffs as if they didn't make the trade. So I think they're serious contenders in this as well. Um, and then we have a fifth team here, the Brooklyn Nets. I'll let Connor explain why the Nets should really be interested in the trade.
2: Yeah, so really this is a little bit of a different dynamic than these other four teams that we've been talking about. These other four teams that we've been talking about um, are going to be looking for straight up trades. You know, trade a couple guys to the Cavaliers and you know work things out. But the thing for the Nets is that you know obviously he would be a really good fit. I guess I'll start with that because when they made the trade for James Harden, they sent away Jared. They sent away Jared Allen, who was you know a really good center. He was a really big focal point of their team. But you know when they saw an opportunity to take to get James Harden and they took it. So. um There's a big hole there right now that didn't used to be there at center for the Brooklyn Nets. So, excuse me, especially since we were talking about just a couple episodes that the Nets really need like a big time defender, which they did sign Andre Roberson. But, you know, signing Andre Drummond would be a huge upgrade to their defense, Um, because like you said, he's that traditional center. He does the dirty work. He doesn't. You know, he's not like a Carl Anthony Towns sort of center where he just kind of hangs out on the perimeter and jacks up threes like he's not going to do that. He'll stay in the paint. He'll get the rebounds. He'll do the dirty work. So but the the problem for the Nets, just like the problem for a lot of teams, is the money issue. Now, basically, the only way that the Nets could get him is the Cavaliers would have to buy out his contract now or. Was it, it's like the Cavaliers can buy him out or the Nets can buy him out? I don't know. I think it's the Cavaliers basically can, yeah, can buy out his contract. So, um, and then they can more easily trade him because that's the problem. You know, the money problem is an issue for everyone. So they're saying that this is actually something that could happen and is kind of could be likely to happen because they might not find any trade partners given his contract. Even though a lot of teams are showing interest like the Raptors, the Hornets, the Knicks, the Mavericks, the Heat have been mentioned as a team interested. You know, there's a couple other teams that have been mentioned too. Um, But with the Nets, like, they would really need this buyout to happen. And since, um, you know, if they're saying that this could be very likely, especially if Drummond stays on the Cavaliers past the trade deadline, like, if they aren't able to dump him at the trade deadline, then they're probably going to buy out his contract. Because they just, like Eric said, or like Zach said, they want to do everything they can to get rid of him. So um, that would be big for them. And obviously the Nets would be, you know, if the Net, if that happens for the Nets, then the Nets are going to go after him because, you know, I talked about with the Hornets, like if he gets on the Hornets, then the Hornets are, you know, could make the playoffs. But if he goes to the Brooklyn Nets, like good luck Eastern Conference. Like there's not going to be a lot that the rest of the East is going to be able to do against the team of James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Andre Drummond. Like this is going to be the next super team basically. And obviously it's just going to be for a season because Drummond's on an expiring deal, but this would be like one of the ultimate championship or bust kind of teams if they were able to pull in Andre Drummond this season. So, um definitely would be something that the Nets would that the Nets would want to work out, but obviously there has to be a buyout that has to happen for it to work. So,
0: Yeah, well, it's it's really going to be interesting to see where he goes. I thought honestly, like we talked about this as an idea and I was thinking he might be traded by then. We might be talking about, you know, his new team and whatnot. We might do that next week. We'll see. But um, I just know it's a bad situation there. Like the Cavs need to get rid of him. Like they're playing Jarrett Allen instead. It'd be so funny if he went to the Nets for the fact that jared allen turned <laughs> on the nets to the, the Cavs. Cavs, and then drummond <laughs> goes to the to the nets like wow but um but we'll see what happens uh i still think he's gonna be really good at first i was like you know andre drummond like he's like the he like when you think of him in nba terms like comparing to like a food it's like broccoli like it's something you gotta have but like it's not real flair, or sexy. I don't know if like... it's something
2: that you got to have.
1: <laughs> <I don't think laughs> you need, you need
2: your veggies, there, Connor, Yeah, really. yeah, just – okay. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. hey, hey, listen to me. I mean, broccoli is, like, one of my favorite foods. But, like, for most people, I'm not sure it's something that you have to have. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't have to. But,
0: like, definitely definitely good well, for I, you. I
2: would, I would equate him to water more so. Like something that you have to have, but it's obviously not like you know the oh like I'm drinking soda or something like this flashy cool drink. Like no, nah, I'm just drinking water. But like you need You're it. Right. To okay, live. I see that. Yeah, yeah, I see that.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah, but hungry guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, but when you really look at it, like he is, a, he's only 27 too. That was another thing that kind of surprised me. Like. He's in the prime of his career, so we'll see what happens. I think if he goes to a contending team somehow, like that will be a big story. Uh, If he goes to one of these middling teams, like that'll also be a story because they'll be greatly benefited. But um, we'll see what happens. And Eric, I know, will want this to get
1: done as soon as possible. Yeah, I have Andre Drummond on my fantasy team, so if he could, you know, get put on a team so he can start playing again, (laughs) that'd be great. Yeah, (laughs) it's Um, one thing to have a guy out because they're injured, you know, like okay, they can't play, like they're hurt, you know, I get it, but when it's like, well, we're benching him because you know, we want to trade him, so he's not going to play till we trade him, like, oh, great, so yeah, he's he's still getting paid his 28 million dollars, but he's not playing, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but
0: yeah, that's going to wrap this up, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening, and we'll be back next week. Like I said, follow us on Twitter because next week's episode. We will be tweeting out questions for you, the audience, to answer to, and we will discuss those results and those topics. So stay tuned for that this week. Those will be coming out. Uh, the links will be in the description, or you could go to twitter.com slash sport. just a singular uh, noun at the end, sport. Um, so, yeah, follow us there and get up to up to date with all the Clutch Crew Sports content. And until then, guys, Sorry, I don't know why I started thinking of saying Eric saying, but be clutch. <laughs> I was like, "What?"
2: Exactly, like, froze right there. I almost
0: said, "I almost said Eric saying, but be clutch,
1: guys." <laughs> Bye. See ya. Peace.